Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by Elect 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, it is Super Bowl weekend. People are excited and nervous around here. We've got plenty of football talk to to come our way with Coach Vermeil and Jason Reed from Anscape and ESPN. But let's start with the craziness of basketball yesterday, right? What do you think? Trades everywhere. 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 Although the Sixers didn't do much. I just don't know if, if what they did is enough. Second round I mean, picks for everybody, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. When 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 did second round picks become the big commodity? So there were twenty eight teams that the twenty eight teams traded sixty mm-hmm. different players and fifty one picks, including forty four second rounders. And what are you going to do with all? What, what? Who's the second rounder that's the big star? I don't understand. How many? How many are there? They're like an added throw-in, basically, at this point to make a deal happen. I, it just you, it makes no know, sense to me. You know, I'll give you the in my day when the draft was more rounds. It does. It, like you wonder what were they thinking? Like why did you need more rounds? At this point, they barely need anything more than the first round. Apparently, the way they treat second round picks. So the, right. you know, the, so do you? So do you think that was a good move to get rid of Matisse? They're not going to play him the way that they need to. So. That's the thing. I mean, that, that's the thing. So the question is: Is did you get a guy who can still play defense and he can provide you with a little more scoring off the bench? And the answer to that is yes. I guess the question is: Is whether it's going to be enough? And to me. The Sixers' biggest move has got to be whether Tyrese Maxey ever comes back to the form that he was at at the end of last year. Yes, and look, he's old enough for Doc to put on the court, and that's really all that matters when they make trades these days. Because, you know, if you're if you're under a certain age, you don't play that much. I still say to you, the only reason Tyrese Maxey is playing any role for this team is because Ben Simmons didn't want to play basketball last year. Like they, they, Paul Reed, Montrez Harrell. What are, you, was, what are you talking about? Ben Simmons has been a star. Everywhere. Montrez Harrell was a minus <laughs> fifteen in like two minutes the other night, and Paul Reed can't sniff the court. It, it just so yeah. Jalen McDaniels is better fit for this coach and how he uses his oh, players. Wait, so do you think the Sixers are done, or do you think they? I think they'll look for something in the buyout market. I mean, they need a backup center. Montrez so, Harrell can't be your backup center, and they clearly don't have faith in Paul Reed. I think that I think they look at like an Andre Drummond if he gets bought out type thing. Well, that that would be perfect. If and and look, Andre I mean, they Drummond. they nobody paid attention, but they made a trade in the G League that got them back Jaleel Okafor as part of the trade. So, you know. I don't know what they're doing, but I think they're going to look for a backup center because I don't believe that they believe in anybody that they have behind Joel Embiid at that position. Furkan Korkmaz requested a trade, but the Sixers didn't move him, so he's still going to be here for whatever role they don't put him in. It's just, you know, I'm not trying to be defeated, but that's how I look at moves with this team right now. You know how I feel about giving some of the young guys opportunities. They let Isaiah Joe go for nothing in the in the preseason, and he's starring other places, couldn't sniff court time here. So, yeah, I mean, is the move good? Yeah, because he'll put Jalen McDaniels on the court probably when they didn't have confidence in Matisse Thybul because he couldn't knock a shot down. He better. He be, he better not have a situation where he says it's too late in the season to incorporate. Him. He he better get in games and he better have a lot of minutes. And if it means okay that we risk losing a couple games, it is definitely worth it because you've got to integrate him into this offense. Absolutely. Look, they're thirty four and nineteen in third place in the East. They play the Knicks tonight, 
And if if some of these teams that made moves are able to integrate their players, the Sixers should be able to figure this out. I mean, the Nets are no longer, they're like not even the Nets anymore. It's Ben Simmons and a couple guys hanging out. He like, got his own team. Not a couple guys yeah. hanging out. Like they brought back some nice players. I always wanted Mikael Bridges here. He'll be a good player there for them. But it's amazing how fast that situation deteriorated and blew up there. Well, it wasn't that fast. That's the thing. I mean, the end came fast, but yes. it didn't come that fast. I mean, th- this was a mess from the second that they put together the three of them. First, it, I mean, first it was the two of them. And every, why anybody doesn't is shocked at this point what happened with Kyrie Irving is beyond me. He had problems with the greatest player in the NBA and LeBron James. He had problems with Durant. One of the second, second or third best player in the NBA. He had he had problems in Boston. He's had problems everywhere he goes. What what bothers me is I believe everybody should get a second chance and sometimes a third chance. Kyrie Irving's had too many chances, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't be able to play basketball. But how did everybody just all of a sudden forget that it was just this season that Kyrie Irving was retreating anti-Semitic tropes? And apparently when he got to Dallas, one of the first things he decided to do was to delete his apology. Uh, Like, how is it that none of this is, it's just all, let's just be happy for Kyrie because he's now playing with Luca. Well, and Kyrie's happy that Kevin Durant was able to get out of Brooklyn. (laughs) That was his comments after the post-game press conference. You you know, like what? Those two have absolutely no reason to complain. They control that entire situation. They got what they want. And every time it didn't work out the way that they wanted it in the first place, they complained. And now they've left a team and a city with a mess that they were the ones that created. This is not a situation where a general manager just made the moves. They were essentially the general manager. And look, I mean, the general, like Josiah sent Kyrie to Dallas because he didn't want to send Kyrie to where he wanted to be with the Mm -hmm. Lakers. So, but he did, but he did do this. But he did do that for Durant. He it's did. It's pretty for, clear that Joe Side decided that he was he loyal sent, to Durant and sent him to some place that he thought he could. He sent Durant to where he wanted to be. And look, I mean, they got you know four unprotected first round picks, 2023, 25, 27, 29. You can't give them back to back years plus pick swap in 2028 and three players. So I mean, look, they're they're trying to rebuild there. How about the but Suns? I, but man? you know what? But I, but there is something that that I think people should realize about Kevin Durant. He may be a great player. He is not a great leader. Well, he doesn't have to be a leader on that team. Well, that's the thing, though. The Kevin Durant has only been able to succeed where he doesn't have to be a leader. He just has to be a He He went to a situation. It didn't work out for him in Oklahoma City. And when he went to Golden State, because he couldn't beat Golden State, he went there, and that team was already put together. They already were winners. And then he decided to leave there and he goes to Brooklyn and he can't get it together. He can't be a leader and get people to do what he needs to do. Jeff, Jeff, let's leave our basketball talk there. We'll go to our interview with Coach Vermeil and then we'll come back and talk more. Who better to talk to than Super Bowl winning Hall of Fame coach Dick Vermeil? Coach, great to talk to you again. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Look, we love having you on. You're somebody who understands football in and out. Uh, you played in this game. Football's so much about a routine. Can you can you talk to us so much about how this is different this week for the teams, the preparation and the challenges to stay focused? 
Well, the extra week, you know, is great. It, it gives you as coaching staff, the week you're at home, an opportunity to evaluate, accumulate and make decisions without great tension because you have more time, which you've got to be careful of, of taking too much time. The, uh, the goal is to have your game plan for the most part finished by the time you get on the airplane to fly to Super Bowl site. And I'm sure that's what these both teams did. Uh, Chuck Noll told me to do that a long time ago, you know, and he'd been to many of them. So I sort of used his advice and learned from it. But, you know, there, uh, I think uh, it's very important to stick with your normal routine of what allowed you to get to where you are and with provided you with the opportunity to be planning for something uh, bigger than anything you planned for the entire season. So, you know, I, I think uh, pretty much probably more relaxed, a little more time, uh, probably a little more time to detail certain things and uh, to analyze and then realize what you have to do to maybe be successful when you finally get there to play the game, you know. You know, coach, sometimes they have the the week off and sometimes they don't have the week off for the Super Bowl. Is there a risk as a coach of overthinking things if you have this extra week? Yeah, no question. No question there is. You know, I, I think my team, 99 uh, Super Bowl team, was the only team that only had a week in between. I don't. They haven't done it since. I know that. It's uh, not having a week by makes it very difficult to, uh, even though you have you know, the big game in front of you. Uh, every player on the team's all of a sudden got family problems, communication problems, transportation problems, you know, ticket problems and all these. And then you're preparing for the biggest game. So I really like the week, uh, you know, before you, the, the actual week up uh, on site at the Super Bowl, it, it gives you a lot more time in a relaxed, like I said, mental frame of mind to, to concentrate. But uh, I, yeah. You know, having had I've done it both ways, uh, there's no question in my mind having the, the buy. Then another week gives you an opportunity to go into the game uh, as well prepared as you could possibly be. But your comment, uh, don't overload it. Chuck No told me that. He says, be careful, <laughs> be careful. And so, I think we've all made mistakes of trying to do too much in a longer period of time. Then the game is the same amount of time. They're going to give you the same number of plays. You know, you talk about <clears throat> how you've had it both ways. The, the difference between the first and the second time around for you, things you learn, but also things you experience that are different. The national anthem's longer with the pregame, the halftime's longer at 35 minutes instead of eight to 10 minutes. Like, how does that impact what you have to do? You know, you have to, you have to coach it. You have to make people realize that you don't want them to be surprised by anything. And the extra time that you have to prepare gives you an opportunity to make sure you lay out your plans and discuss all the different things that are going to be slightly different than normal routine. Again, the advantage of, of the bye week. When we went to Atlanta to play uh, Tennessee in Super Bowl 34, we won the NFC championship game on Sunday. And at 3 o'clock in the afternoon the next day, the entire team was on the team flying to Atlanta, Georgia. Not fun. Not a good way to go ball game. In fact, I left my entire coaching staff in St. Louis. And then the ownership flew my coaching staff from six o'clock Wednesday morning 
into Georgia to start getting putting our game plans in with our players, but that we had to be there. The head coach had to be there, and all the players had to be there. So uh, a lot better. Again, I'm emphasizing a lot better to have the the two weeks before the game. Yeah, you know, Andy Reid obviously has more experience in the big game than, than Nick Sirianni does. How much of an advantage is it for Andy Reid to to have gone through this whole experience? and understand all the pitfalls that you're talking about. We've talked to players about the fact that that just the family issue is a yeah. whole issue that you, if you've never experienced it before, you don't know what a barrage you're about to undergo. How important is it and how much of an advantage is it for somebody like Andy Reid who's gone through it? Well, we all know there's no substitute for wisdom, you know, and you only get it by years of experience. And Andy's been there, done it coached over 20 years, uh, been in many, many big games. Uh, uh, it's his advantage, I think, his advantage. I felt the second time I went, even after, and it was from that year to year 19, let's see, 1980 to 2020 in January was a big advantage for me in that, not that Jeff Fisher hadn't been there, done it before and been in big games, but it just, the fact that I'd been there before and, and sort of thought about things that, Maybe I didn't do as well as a leader as I should have, but having been there before, it gives me an opportunity to correct that. Andy Reid's been in so many big games, championship games, and now the Super Bowls that uh, I think it gives him an advantage. You know, now Nick has obviously done a very good job. He and his staff, or they wouldn't be there. To me, Nick Sariani maybe is a young Andy Reid, and if he stays in the league long enough, we'll end up being the same quality. Uh, but he's at a disadvantage. Uh, I, I believe that. And I think just about it even with Buddy in football. Now, what's going to make a difference is certain players on your team. <laughs> you know, they're going to make some plays you didn't coach real well or took the play beyond your coaching, you know, and, and make you and help you win ball games. And uh, I found that true in, in great big games. Your great big players have to step up and make great big plays. Yeah. You know, you're somebody that breaks this all down yourself, the great big players making plays. How do you look at this game from the Eagles' defensive approach with the Chiefs having some injuries at wide receiver, Andy Reid having a screen game? How would you approach this as a coach from either side in terms of the matchup? Well, first off, if you look at them statistically, like I have in great deal, I followed them all year, okay, that the Eagles' defense is one of the finest defenses in the National Football League, if not the best. Now, Kansas City's defense, when you look at them through 17 games, is not of that caliber statistically today because you add up the stats for 17 games. What we I don't have is a breakdown the last five or six weeks of the seasons, weeks of the season, as they actually really kept getting better and better and better, gaining confidence and understanding, very young secondary and, and the coaching staff adjusting accordingly. Yeah, they may be playing as well as the best defense in football these last few weeks. But coming into it, you would say that the Eagles have a big advantage with the overall performance of their defense throughout the year. You know, it seems like the biggest concern for the Eagles defense is how do you deal with Travis Kelsey? If you were in that situation, how would you deal with him? Probably poorly, like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that, that'll be a problem for the Eagles because they're basically his own team. And he really gives zones problems. The best way to deal with Kelsey is intense pass rush out of your down four without, you know, you know, putting people in man coverage because all of a sudden you go into man coverage and you got to deal with Jalen Hurts, okay, which is a, a real problem. So I, you know, I think, uh, I think Kelsey will be as big a problem 
to the Eagles defense as anybody on the field. And as he has been to the other defenses, he played as soon as you play zone against him, <laughs> you know, he, he just finds those holes and that, you know, Patrick Holmes knows where to find him and they've played together now for a number of years and, and they, they can do a lot of impromptu things after the play isn't operating as designed and, and make a bigger play out of it. So they're going to have problems with him. Everybody has. So will the Eagles. All right. Uh, so let's get your prediction and then we'll get one more question after that. What do you think is going to happen in this game? Well, you know, uh, having been with both teams, my idea is that they're going to tie. Okay, they're going to. My philosophy has been, uh, I'm going to root for both of those teams to win, and then feel real bad for the team that loses. <laughs> That's a political way to look at it. my computer. It's the way the Kelsey computer, parents are going to feel. <laughs> my computer says the Eagles are going to win by four points. My computer said at the start of the season that these two teams would be in the Super Bowl. The computer said that. The Eagles would be 16 and one and the chiefs would be 16 and one. It's scary how accurate it was. Now it doesn't always predict the score, but it did a hell of a job of predicting who the winner was. So if you go by my computer, it's going to say, and it does say that the Eagles will win by four. You know, I was going to ask you if we could borrow your computer for a whole bunch of things, including the Powerball next time. <laughs> you know, it's this is very, very old reports developed years ago by Bud Goody and now run by Bill Saunders just as almost as a hobby. And I've been involved in these things all year and I used them myself as a coach in determining practice time and where to invest more time and all this kind of stuff in the things that really make a difference. And uh, uh, it, it, first off, it's going to be tough for both teams. They're both very good football teams. And where on the numbers, where the numbers look dominating in one area is that the Chiefs defense in numbers look dominating over the, over the, uh, I mean, the Eagles defense looks dominating over the Chiefs defense. And whether Mahomes can make that difference up or not will be dependent. And really, how good is the Chiefs defense today in contrast to over 17 other games? All right. Well, Coach, before we let you go, the last time we had you here, you were about to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, and last time we had you here, you were about to come out with a new wine to add to your collection. So so tell us a little bit about the experience of the Hall of Fame itself and being there. And then also about the wines that you're coming out, including the Super Bowl wine that I just got another email for. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you. And that Hall of Fame experience was the finest football experience I ever had, including all games. Uh, the Rose Bowl, really, to me, at that time in my career was the highlight of my career. And you're young and you're more passionate, more intense, and you experience that big win. And other games were oh, close, but just in my own mind, uh, in maturity at that time, it, nothing massive. But the, the, the Hall of Fame event, when you put all three teams you coach together, 400 and something guys and, and people in a party after us and you you're, you're have an opportunity to attend the finest reunion you've ever attended and to share uh, your opportunities to thank all those guys who put you in there. You know, it's a, it really makes you feel obligated to say thank you. It really does because you know, it was those guys and those coaches that helped you get there. So what wine should we have that we pairs best with an Eagles Super Bowl win? 
Well, you know, here I'm in Florida. So at six o'clock, probably at five thirty, might have had a glass of Chardonnay. At six o'clock, we're probably I might have moved to a little glass of red wine, maybe a Cabernet. Okay. All right, we got to get a Vermeil Super Bowl Cabernet ready for a hopeful Eagles win, Coach. We got to let right. you well, go. Thank you about that. Thank you so much for the time. We hope that your computer and you are right, and we always appreciate getting some time to talk with you. You have a great one. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Jeff, let's keep the football talk going. Get somebody from Arizona joining us, senior NFL writer for Anscape and author of Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America. Jason Reed joins the show. Jason, I've been following along your Twitter feed. Uh, did you end up seeing Rick Ross the other night? <laughs> I, actually, I actually did wind up seeing Rick Ross. I took my girlfriend and um, had a very good time. It was a... Uh, you know, with all these Super Bowl parties and events, you, you realize that these these headliners, these big acts, aren't going to be out there very long. They just do what they have to do to, you know, fulfill the obligation. But we got about 15 minutes for Rick Ross, so it wasn't bad. So when, when you when you see all the, the commotion that goes on out there, do you appreciate how hard it must be for these athletes to get to the city and focus on the job at hand? Well, you know, the thing is for them – like they're they're away from all of it, mm-hmm. you know, and and they have es- you know police escorts when they have their media availability. You know, the buses get to go you know back and forth, and um, I, you know, it's the Super Bowl week is really for all the fans and for all the NFL's corporate sponsors, uh, you know, for NFL executives. So their their experience is so much different than the, the players, I mean. Their experience is so much different than everybody else here. It's almost like you, you it, it's almost like they're in two separate worlds. So it may be for the corporate sponsors there, but the story is more for the nation in terms of some of the narratives that are there. As as the man who wrote the book, you've been out there this week, you've talked to people like Warren Moon, you've you've talked to these quarterbacks. Their combined ages are 27 and 24. They'll be the youngest pair of opposing quarterbacks. The first time two African-American quarterbacks will start a game more than the game on the field. What does this mean off the field that these two men will lead their two teams on Sunday? Well, you know, anytime in America you have a situation where a barrier falls, whatever the barrier may be, uh, whatever a hurdle is cleared, it's significant, especially when you talk about the first person or the first people to achieve something. And we've had African-American quarterbacks, black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl before, but it is significant that for the first time ever, you have two in the same game, and not just two quarterbacks, but Patrick Mahomes just won a second MVP award in five years. He's only been starting for five years. Jalen Hurts has shown that all of these thoughts about him not being a quarterback were so off base that that they, they you know, looking back on it, those comments haven't aged very well. And you see these two guys now in in a game where they're leading the best two teams in the league by you know record wise. And yeah, you know, it, it's it's a it's another achievement 
for a group historically in the country, I mean, when you talk about the history of America, that has, has you know, uh, has been behind in terms of, you know, the founding of the country um, and and just where we are at in, in terms of race. So, you know, a lot of people will say, hey, look, why do we have to keep talking about this? Can't we just celebrate them as being great quarterbacks? And we can, but this is an accomplishment for a group that was once the most marginalized group in the NFL, black quarterbacks. So to get to this point with two superstars, and I and look, Jalen Hurts now qualifies as a superstar. With two superstars who are both young black men, yeah, it, it is it is an achievement and it's another barrier that's fallen. With these two particular quarterbacks, how important is how they were raised and the and the parents that were supportive of them? What is the how does that play into the story? Well, I think it's a big part of the story. You, you look at Patrick Mahomes. Now, Patrick Mahomes, his his dad uh, is black. He's a former major league pitcher, um, and his mom is white. And I love what he says about it. That you know, he identifies as being a black man and a black quarterback. But you know, he he, he his mom is white, and and he loves that part of his heritage too. And he looks at it like, hey, when you see who I am, it's just something that opens up possibilities for more kids to say, hey, look. He's he's done this, so you know I can do this too. Um, comes from a very strong you know family, and then Jalen Hurts clearly, you know, I mean, his dad is 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 a coach, and and he instilled in, in Jalen a lot of these things that you see Jalen you know excel at now. I, I I just to tell you guys a little story. Um, I think a lot of people know that at the combine the year Jalen entered the draft, he was asked repeatedly by reporters, you know, are you willing to change positions to play in the NFL? And I was off to the side um, during his media availability. I was standing there, and I just thought to myself how composed this young man was at the time because I don't think I would have handled all those questions, you know, as well as as he did. Now, remember, he, was, he finished thir- third in the Heisman Trophy voting coming out of Oklahoma that year. You know, everybody knows that, you know, he lost the starting job at Alabama to Tua, but he stayed and and he helped them win another national championship. He went to Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley and showed he was a better passer. And so to get presented with those questions and the way that he was presented repeatedly, I thought to myself, he's handling this very well. So, you know, I, I look at this, and I look at these two young men, and I, I look at how composed they are and and how they they give thoughtful responses to their questions. I mean, I think upbringing is, is important in anything in life, you know, in terms of like, providing a foundation for people to succeed. And clearly both of these young men have great foundations. Yeah. They seem like they're superstar people more than just superstar players in terms of the way that they do things in the community, the way they give back. And, and you spoke for your book with Patrick Mahomes. He was immensely helpful to you with the book in terms of how open and honest he was on a variety of issues on and off the field. You were able to see him get his second MVP award last night. Sure, Eagles fans will be upset that Jalen Hurts only got one MVP vote. Um, but talk- but, he did fi- but he did finish second. He did. He did finish second. Over- he did finish yeah. second. And look, for the Super Bowl, the, the last like bunch of years, the person who won the MVP didn't win it. So if you're an Eagles fan, you'd prefer not to win it and win the game. Um, but talk to us about Patrick Mahomes, um, the player that you see on the field, what you expect to see out of him on Sunday, and then the man that helped you build this book. You know, it's funny. On Twitter, I, I took a lot of heat recently because I, I said that Patrick isn't yet an all-time great. Um, and, and what I meant by that is, look, He's a generational talent. There's no question about that. 
But when I think of all-time greats, I have to quantify achievement. And and it's not that he's not an all-time great because he hasn't achieved anything. It's just that he doesn't get ranked among the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history in terms of achievement. You know, he's got two MVP awards now. If he can pull off another Super Bowl victory, well, now we're talking more about, okay, all-time great in terms of achievement. But when I when I think of quarterbacks in the history of the game with achievement, you know, obviously Brady's at the top. You know, he's, he's got the seven Super Bowls. He's got MVP awards. You know, you have to look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers who only has one Super Bowl title, but he has four MVP awards. So Patrick is, again, a generational talent. And, I, and I'm not in the business of arguing against Patrick Mahomes, okay? But I do think that, you know, when you talk about all-time great and achievement, he is on that road. And then as a person, you know, as you said, he gave me a lot of time for the book and he was very thoughtful and he was very open. And I, you know, I asked him for the book because he, when when George Floyd was killed by police in Minneapolis, Patrick, you know, came out, he, he was involved in this video that NFL players put out, you know, kind of demanding that the league stand with them more and partner with them more and doing things in their communities. And I said to him, you know, you didn't have to do that. And it really could have hurt your brand. And what he told me is like, well, you know, some things, are, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but what he said was that some things are more important than the risk you take by by speaking up. And so when you talk about what type of player he is, generational talent, and when you talk about the type of man he is, he he's a type of guy who will put things on the line that he believes are important. And that says a lot to me about who he is. You know, Jason, you wrote a piece at the start of the season about Jalen Hurts giving people a reason to believe. Can you talk to us about the growth you and others have seen from him on and off the field? Well, you know... <laughs> It's interesting you bring that up because um, what I wanted to do was Randall Cunningham, I think people in Philadelphia know who Randall Cunningham is, so I don't have to provide the background there. But Randall was very helpful for the book. I went out to Las Vegas where he lives and I, I spent a lot of time with him. And so I wanted to know what Randall thought about what he was seeing early this season with Jalen. Because, again, all you know, I don't have to provide this background, I don't think, for your listeners, but for people who don't know, at the end of last season, Jalen really struggled in the loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs. And Jalen said after that that, hey, my next season starts right now. And the work that he put in, uh, Jalen's personal quarterback coach, a guy named Quincy Avery, is a friend of mine. And Quincy had told me, hey, this guy, like, just watch next year and put in a ton of work. So, you know, I wanted to talk to Randall about what he saw because Jalen got off to such a hot start. And what he said to me was, you know, again, I'm paraphrasing, but that he's given Philadelphia fans, Eagles fans, reason to believe that, you know, we can get to the game. We can win the championship because of what he's doing. And look, I, I give Nick Sirianni a lot of credit for understanding what he has in Jalen and maximizing Jalen's skill set within that offense. You know, but but it's interesting um, that I, I heard this analyst who I think he didn't even have Jalen ranked among the top 40 quarterbacks a year ago. And this season, I think he had Jalen really down. And I saw him on this, this uh, I think it was a YouTube show. And, he, and the host was like presenting to him, hey, you know, you said these things. And the analyst kept trying to defend it. Um, and, you know, by making the point, well, you know, Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew threw for 355 yards and lost to the Cowboys. And, and it, it seemed to me just somebody who was really grasping to try to defend an indefensible position because 
the, the, the host of the show said, yeah, but the Eagles lost both of those games. Like you can, you know, you can say that, that, yeah, Jalen gets different looks than Patrick Mahomes gets in the secondary because everybody is ro- worried about that zone read game because, you know, Jalen can take off and run. Um, and the host said, well, yeah, but look at his numbers in the pocket now. Look at the fact that they lost both games when Jalen didn't play. And the analyst, again, was just trying to defend a position that c- currently is indefensible, basically that Jalen Hurts is just benefiting from this great team. Yeah, the Eagles do have a great roster. A- and, you know, the Eagles did a great job. Uh, you know, and, you know Howie did a great job of putting this team together after the last Super Bowl victory. But to say that, Jalen is just a, a product of his environment. It, I think it's just ludicrous. I mean, Jalen Hurts makes the Eagles what they are. Now, would the Eagles be a, a nine-victory uh, playoff team? Would they be a 10-victory playoff team without him? Possibly, but they are an elite team with him. So I think that, you know, when you talk about this young man's development, it all starts with the hard work. And look, I, I get that you know, you're going to see a lot of single safety high coverages uh, or or no safety high coverages with Jalen because you got to have those safeties up on the line because with that zone read game, like it, 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 it makes them almost unstoppable. But that also speaks to what Jalen can do. And, and it, here's the other thing, and I know I'm getting long-winded on this, so please just indulge me for a second. You can have no safeties out there. You can have, you know, 11 guys up on the line. But you still have to throw the ball into an area where your receiver can make a play on it. And um, I think all these people who want to just stick to this narrative that, well, this guy is no good, essentially. And it's just because they're loaded, you know, with talent throughout the roster. I just think that's I think it's ridiculous. Before we let you go, I did want to ask, there are still only three black head coaches in the NFL, yet there are now five black team presidents, one of them female you heard Commissioner Goodell speak about it the other night. What do you think about what he said, the progress the NFL's made, and where they need to go still? You know, I, I was at the presser, and I asked Roger a question about this. You just mentioned it. There are now five black team presidents. It wasn't until a month before the, the centennial, the NFL centennial, back in 2020, where there were, there were no, well, two months before, there were no black team presidents. Jason Wright was hired with the Washington Commanders, a month before the NFL celebrated its 100th anniversary. Now there are five black team presidents. There are now eight black general managers. Additionally, you look at the NFL league office in New York, there are high-ranking black executives throughout football operations in the league office. Now, I try to make this distinction when I talk to people clearly on on the coaching front. And the coaching front is the most visible thing because who are the two most visible people in the NFL, the quarterback and the head coach? So the numbers at head coach, only three African-American head coaches in a 32-team league in which 57.5% of the players are black, you know, that's not where the league should be or where the league office wants the league to be. But I do think we need to acknowledge that, look, the NFL does have diversity in a lot of areas in terms of you know, behind the scenes, not, you know, on the field things. And does it need to get better with coaching? Absolutely. But progress has been made over the last few years in other areas. Do you think that by having, I mean, we've talked to you in the past about this, about how you need to have it from the top and and then the good old boy network kind of goes away, or at least that's the hope. Do you see that happening? Do you see 
that there is not just the progress in numbers, but the progress in the way that things are moving from from top down and from down up. Yeah, with regard to the, the team presidencies, the general managers, positions. Yeah, I do think that. But, you know, here, here's the thing. And it's I don't even know. I call it a dirty little secret. It's just it's because, you know, it's something that's open in the NFL. Nepotism is rampant throughout the NFL. And the reality of it is head coaches hire their sons. They hire the friends of their sons. They hire the, the sons of their mentors. They hire friends of the sons of their mentors. So when when you're in that type of situation, it's going to be very hard for people who got a very late head start or a very late start on this to be in the positions where they can make those types of hires. So nepotism is something that's not going to leave the NFL because NFL owners control the NFL and they're not going to, you know, tell their people you can't hire the people you want to hire. So I think from a from a progress standpoint in coaching, that's one of the biggest things, one of the biggest hurdles. And I don't know how much that is ever going to change. We know that you have to go. You got a prediction or what do you think we're going to see Sunday? Look, um, I am not a prediction guy. I, I, I'm not a gambler. I, I don't like throwing my money away. Um, but let me say this. The Eagles are a better team. Um, you know, with what they can do on offense, both throwing and running the ball defensively, that defense, you know, look, as you guys know, they have four guys with double digits and sacks. There are some teams that don't have a, a guy or two with double digits and sacks. They have four. They get after the quarterback in a way that creates such a difficult proposition for any offense trying to game plan against them because all of their guys can win, you know, in one on one trying to defeat the offense. All of their guys can win. So you can't really, if you double team a guy, you know, hey, they got three other guys who can win. So everything points to me to the Eagles winning. But I'll give you this one caveat. I think the only way the Chiefs can win is if Patrick Mahomes has an historic performance. A performance where on Monday morning we all wake up and say, well, this guy is one of the greatest of all time. Other, other, anything short of that, I think the Eagles win. I will take that and leave it there. Jason Reed of Anscape, enjoy the rest of your Super Bowl experience, and thanks for always giving us some time. Anytime, fellas. Thanks for having me. Jeff, I couldn't ask for a better prediction there. First of all, again, every time we have him on. Like, yeah, you could. Well, by the way, you could ask for a better I prediction. I could. Because because the prediction that would would that you would like to hear more isn't just that the Eagles are going to win, you want to hear that the Eagles are going to blow them out. I don't think don't... that's realistic, though. Okay, so let me ask you a question because I think we've had this discussion several times. Are you a guy that wants okay, in this particular game? Are you a guy that wants a close, exciting game, or do you want to blow? It? When my team's in the game, I want to blow out. When any okay. other team's All in right. the game, I want it to be close I, and exciting. I just I don't understand the the people that want a an epic battle between two teams if it's your team. If no, my nerves want my team to win without the other team to show up. If they'd forfeit, right. I'd be totally cool with taking yeah. a win. To, to me, the blowout is underrated. 
if, if if you have a stake in the game, if you just if want you, your yeah, team, exactly. I don't need ex- exciting to me is to watch my team keep scoring touchdowns. So my wife would, none. my wife would prefer a blowout um, because I, so I like Kevin Nagandi and Michael Collins last week. Um, we are not having a Super Bowl party. I will be in solitude. My children and mother-in-law will be laughing at me as a fan. As I, can, I, I can't my mind. tell you how many people I know that are not having or won't go to a Super Bowl party because they're so stressed that they need to watch it. And, and by the way, I'm like that too. If my team is in the game, then I, then I want to make sure that I'm focusing on the game, not worried about the commercials, not worrying about hobnobbing, not worrying about missing the play that I want to say. Like, I get that. Yeah, I can't do it. I, I just, so she's like, all right, we're not having anybody over. So then somebody asked her yesterday, what are you doing for the Super Bowl? She goes, nothing. My husband can't be social. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let, so let's get to the game for a second. So one of the things that Jason said at the end talked about the defense and the fact that the Eagles have 10 guy or four guys that have 10 plus sacks. Do you know that there are only 19 people in the NFL this year that had 10 plus sacks? The Eagles have four of them. It, they were a record setting defense. And look as somebody who was critical and questioning of Jonathan Gannon, what can I say? I mean they they've done it. You know, I hope that they they have been more aggressive with their zone in the in the playoffs. And that's what I often don't like is, you know, letting the underneath happen. And that that actually is my concern for the game. You know, Kansas City has had injuries um, at their wide receiver position. Now, some of those guys will play. Others will be out. I think Hardiman's out. Um, but I, I think some of the other guys are going to play. I worry about being dink and dunked to death by Andy Reid on screen passes to McKinnon and Pacheco out of the backfield, and then uh, Travis or Travis Kelsey coming across the middle yeah, that, on the linebackers. Thinking, but Travis Kelsey gets the ball. That's not thinking and dunking. That, that's that's his his bread and butter. He will go, and it won't just be short over the middle of the field. He'll go long over the middle of the field. And and to me, if I had to pick one guy on defense that's going to be the key to this game for the Eagles. It's actually going to be Edwards. Yeah, TJ Edwards it, or Kaiser he, White. Who's he, Yeah, they, they are going to have to do a good job chipping on, on Kelsey and covering him really well down the field and just not getting faked. And, and look, it's, you know, Philadelphia likes an aggressive, aggressive defense, but being aggressive and blitzing against Mahomes are two totally different things. He has 17 passing touchdowns against the blitz that were the best in the NFL this year. He threw 28 of his 41 touchdowns to either a running back or a tight end. Now I would say the area, if I'm a Kansas city fan that I'd be concerned there is can Hassan Reddick do what he's done all season and blow up your game because their right tackle, Andrew Wiley has surrendered a team high nine sacks. He's going to have to go against Reddick. So their offensive line while having many all pros, definitely has to contend with that. Are they going to keep Travis Kelsey in to chip? Will they have a running back there to assist? Because clearly what San Francisco did, which by the way, why is San Francisco still complaining about what happened two weeks ago? Because if it were Philadelphia, you'd be doing the same thing. It's over. Every every team, every fan base does the same thing. Don't sit there and say that if this same same shoe was on the other foot, that Eagles fans would still be talking about it. And by the way, I do not believe that if Ian Book came into the game, that the Eagles would be winning. That's what they're saying. Their fourth quarterback, if he was available, would have come in the game. Okay. Ridiculous. 
anyway. yeah, but but you're totally blown by the point, which which is which is that if the shoe were on the other foot, people would not only be. Of course, I would. I'd complain here. forever, but I don't have to worry about that. So I can say I think it's ridiculous. But right, you're going to let me finish this point. Yes. Okay. Well, no, you're not. But but now you are. The fact is is that people would be complaining here, and people would be saying they're not going to watch the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't okay. be able to. Well, no, I'd watch so, it, but I wouldn't care nearly as much. Well, you, well, you'd watch it because you watch the pickleball championships yeah. if you could. Because <laughs> I'm a, I'm a lunatic. But look, yeah. I mean, that is what blew up the Niners game was Hassan Reddick being blocked basically by a tight end attempt and not having somebody there to slow him down. So can Kansas City stop that pass rush? And can the Eagles get pressure with their front four? so that they can have more guys back in coverage to assist on Kelsey to make sure to cover those running backs. That's sort but of... Go ahead. The, Eagle, the Eagles have a, a, a good enough defensive line that they could rush for. They don't need to blitz. The thing is, is that I think in this game, the Eagles have to focus less on sacks and more on containing. You cannot... if if And I, and I heard Lewis Reddick yesterday talking about that in practice, uh, Mahomes looks good. Like he looks like Mahomes out there, and yeah. so if if that's if if he was still hurt, I would say flush him out and make him run around. No, you got to keep him in the pocket. But 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 because he looks healthy, I think that the key is containment more than sacks are important. Yeah, it's it's you need to keep him so that he cannot create and can't be what makes him special. It's sort of the mush rush. Like you, you keep him in there so that he can't get out and and yeah, make those plays where he's easy. throwing sidearm and. You know, doing those things. And of course, you know, that scares me as an Eagles fan to to know that that happens. Look, third down, the Chiefs offense converted 45% of their third downs during the regular season. That's 12% higher than the second place Bengals. Same time, Eagles defense was the NFL's best in not allowing opponents to convert on third and long, only surrendering four first downs on 16% of the time. So can the Eagles get off the field on third down? And then hold the ball so that Mahomes doesn't have lots of chances in his hand. That's going to be a huge question. If, you know, if you well, but that but that but that leads to the offensive side of the ball and and, and the what the Eagles need to do. And my, my concern would be is Nick Sirianni. And we talked to to Coach Vermeil about this. Is is the younger coach going to be the the less experienced coach going to be sitting there out trying to outthink or overthink this whole thing? And, and I think if, if Nick Sirianni stays true to running the ball and not trying to overthink this and not trying to turn this into a passing game, that's how they win. They need Jalen Hurts to run the ball. They need those plays. They need to make sure that, that, that they are pushing the offensive line constantly to run the ball and just grind it down. That's how they win the game. They're not going to win the game by having proving that Jalen Hurts is healthy and can throw the ball for you. Do you think that the Eagles offense can run the ball? I mean, look, the running game this season has been fantastic between Miles mm-hmm. Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell and Boston, and Boston Scott. Scott. I mean, if, if you and look Jalen Hurts and, and Jalen Hurts, if you look at it, Kenneth Gainwell's played 167 third downs to just 52 for Miles Sanders. He's been their third down back. And in the playoffs, they've given him the ball. Now, this is. If you're if you're being realistic about it, this is the best team that the Eagles will have faced all year. There are people that talk about a light schedule, whatever. They didn't face good quarterbacks. There's no doubt this is the best team they'll, they'll face. Both teams scored a 546 points this season. So the over-under is 50 and a half. I mean, I think that they'll be... I, think, I personally think it'll go over that. But, I mean, I don't know. I think... 
I think the Eagles kind of end up winning by like three, like a 30 to 27. I, I think it is going to be one of those anxiety inducing games where you're texting me to see if I'm still breathing as the game's going on. I, that's what I think is going to happen. I don't think it's going to be a huge blow. And I'd be surprised if that's the case, but I agree with Jason that the Eagles are the better team. You agree with yourself? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do think that they are the better team on the field, but, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. You know, this might be the longest we've gone in the the Friday leading up to the game of not talking prop bets. How have you made it this long? I've got lots of them in here for you. I know. So so, so here's your chance. Pick. Go ahead. Pick some. All right. Do you think the national anthem will go over or under two minutes? Oh, come on. (laughs) Like pick. Go for ones that relate to sports. Picking whether the, the national anthem goes over and under, there's no way to possibly tell. And I think it, I'm guessing that it mostly goes over because they just drag it out. Of it there. always goes over. And yeah, the, so, are you going to do the coin flip? Heads no, or tails, man? I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to do prop it. So I'll pick some, okay? So Miles Sanders, over or under 61 and a half yards rushing. So I think that's actually part of the key is whether or not he can get that. If the Eagles win, I think he has over 61 yards rushing. No, I'm asking you to predict. You can't say if before. Hey, I think that's tough. I say he does it. Yeah, I would probably say over. And I would would say over on Jalen Hurts rushing total of 50 and a half. Because I think that the Eagles are going to have to rush for over 100 yards total if they win the game. I actually think for, for health reasons, I think it's better that he does run the ball. I think that getting caught in the pocket is where he would get injured. Um, Kenneth Gainwell over 20 and a half yards. I think, no, under. Really? Yep. Okay. I don't, th- I don't think he gets much play in this game. You don't think so? I, how about this? Over, over under Boston Scott, half a touchdown. I would take the under on that. You but. really think that Boston Scott's not going to come through again? I just, I Isn't don't. He, is he not your guy close to the goal line at this point? He this has been the there. He, he's been playing. He absolutely has. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess you take the over. You talk me into yeah, it. There you go. I mean, what do you think of the Kansas City rushing game? I mean, the three props there are over 48 and a half yards for Pacheco, 19 and a half for McKinnon, who's coming back from an injury, and over 18 and a half for Mahomes. I think that they're going to try to run Pacheco a lot. I think Pacheco has got, he's, he's a strong, bull ahead runner. And I think that they are going to try to get their running game going. How do you think the Eagles defense stacks up to that running game? I think the well, I think the Eagles defense is fine except for the plays over the middle. I think that they'll be fine against the run. The, the, the Chiefs running game is not great. Okay. Their offensive line is is a better pass block offensive line than it is a running block. So so I think that they'll be fine against the run. I if if I were scared about anything in this game, it continues to be the middle of the field. That's where I think that the Eagles have got to make sure. And if they're going to do that, and if they're going to overplay to the middle of the field, they got to make sure that, that, that their guys on the outside, that Darius Slay and the crew, make sure that they can keep maintain one-on-one coverage and not get beat long. Turnovers has been a big reason why the Eagles were, are where they are this season. They've, they've been great in forcing them. Uh, the interception prop bets, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes are both over or under 0.5. Uh, your thoughts on who is, are we going to see a turnover change the game? Yes. Oh, I don't know if we'll see a turnover change the game, but you will see turnovers in this game. I think both teams will apply enough pressure that there could, there will be mistakes. 
Okay. I don't see I don't see how they can't. As good as the Eagles defensive line is, the Chiefs line is not chopped liver. I mean, Chris Jones is has been dominating. And while the, he may not have the kind of the group that the Eagles have, he and that line are going to get pressure on Jalen Hurts. So they they are going to have to make sure that they are accounting for that and make sure and Hurts has got to make all the right plays. The one thing though about Hertz is is his his background. The the fact is is that this guy has been in big games before. Playing in Alabama, you know, people think that college isn't going to dictate how you do in the pros. When it comes to a leadership perspective and it comes to being able to predict whether somebody will be able to handle pressure, having gone through that pressure, especially when you're younger and how you've done in that pressure matters. And Jalen Hurts has shown time and time again that he handles the pressure and he handles adverse situations really well. This was a guy that was taken out of a national championship game and grew from it. And and has been, you're right, has been on, because normally you would say, you know, young quarterback, 24 years old, hasn't been on this stage. I don't That's think anybody, not him. I don't think, I don't think anybody, I think with most quarterbacks his age, you would say that. But there are a handful of quarterbacks, and some of these, you know, if you look to 20 years ago, a quarterback this young, you'd be terrified to have him in the Super Bowl. But you, we are lucky to be watch a generation of young quarterbacks who have been through pressure that are from the second they get in the NFL, they have ice in their veins. You have Jalen Hurts. You have somebody like Joe Burrow. You have a bunch of guys that are not just great quarterbacks. They are leaders, and their teams take on their personality. And for the Eagles, I'm guessing they go into this game loose and confident. It seems like both teams, uh, from if you if you read reports, if you if you listen to interviews of people out there, it seems like both teams are very loose, very comfortable. Um, did you happen to see Media Day, the scene that was there on Monday night that they do now, or Media Night that they do? You mean the circuit? It's always a circus. It was a super circus mm-hmm. the other night. It was definitely a, a circus there. I, you know, what's your feel for this game? Uh, we got, you know, like three minutes uh, left, four minutes I do, left. I do, I do think that the Eagles are going to win this game. Uh, you know, nor- normally I would sit there and what you want me to pick the other team? No, no, it was like a, oh, a okay. sigh of relief, not a, oh, okay. not a, like a. No, normally a, I would go with when the teams are this close, I would go with the team that has the experience. And when it, there is no question, even though there are some Eagles that have been to a Super Bowl before, that the that the Chiefs have been through this time and time again over the last half decade, and have a one of the best coaches now. Andy Reid might be a top ten coach of all time. When all is done, you have Patrick Mahomes, who is already a top five quarterback all time. You have guys that have been on the defense and the offense who have been through that time and time again, if you're the Chiefs. And you would think that would be a massive advantage. But I don't, for for some reason, the way this Eagles team has carried itself from, from training camp through this entire season, through the playoffs, they have shown every doubter that they are going to play through this like they've already been there. And it's an interesting thing to see that the this entire Eagles team seems to have that attitude from the first guy on the roster to the guy on special teams. Well, they seem to follow the lead of Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's his personality. We we and, sort of and got, Sirianni. We sort of uh, got that it, with. Well, they're different personalities. Though. That's exactly why it works, though. So yeah. you have you you have Jalen Hurts who comes across as the intense, confident general. 
You have Sirianni, who clearly knows what he's doing, but almost offers this kind of lightheartedness that that kind of helps with Jalen Hurts being able to take on the role that he has. Yeah, it's it's been, I mean, it's been a ton of fun to watch this season. Unfortunately, nobody can really afford to go out there for the game. See the price of the tickets, man? It's a bargain. A you bargain? Should you should go. $10,000. Like, I'm kind of with you Kevin. Know, you know what? I actually got a text earlier this week from someone who said, I can get myself a ticket for $3,500. Should I go? Yes. At $3,500, you go to the game. You're probably well, standing in the behind like a pole. And, he did not go. Did not go. He did not go. Because remember, that's thirty five dollars for thirty five hundred dollars for the ticket. Yeah. Then you got to fly, fly there, there, and you got to eat. You got to you got to find a hotel, which is nearly impossible. Yeah, you're, you're talking five six grand. Yeah, they the- really didn't. They didn't. I know that they're separate sports, but I don't understand how the golf tournament. And the Super Bowl, the NFL didn't really coordinate this well enough. No, we tried to coordinate it more than they did. <laughs> it, is, it is baffling. So have you seen Collins wearing any Eagles gear yet? No, I haven't. I, I have not. I have not. So um, I, I assume that today through Sunday, he will break it out. I just kept thinking that Nagandi's going to end up in a mummer's costume. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was the entertaining part to me. Uh, where will you be? Are you going to watch the game in solitude? Will you be with other people? No, I will, you don't have a rooting... I, will, I, will, I will at least be watching part of it in a party. Okay, yeah, you don't have a rooting interest, so you don't care. Mm-hmm. But you'll be. will you be texting me or are you going to leave me alone? What, like, will, like, are you going to treat be, this I like will, I do a Michigan game and just kind of leave you be and stew? Or are you going to like, will, I will, I will leave you alone unless, unless there is a point at the game where it seems it's under control. And then I will congratulate you. I won't take it at that point until the game's over. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night. Top you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. I will end it with that. The Empire Step Building will not be green again. No, they won't do that again. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye bye.